Good morning. Welcome again to River Valley Community Church. Welcome home, family. We're so glad to see everyone here worshiping with us this morning. Uh, hope you've had a good morning uh, so far, or maybe even if you haven't had a good morning, if you've been rushing and trying to get kids ready, stuff's been going wrong, I just, uh, I pray that we can have taken this time as we have sung and have prayed that we can focus our minds and focus our attention on our great Lord um, and find peace in Him. Uh, yeah, that's always good to do. I was just dealing with my own daughter just like five seconds ago, and I was like, all right, this is fantastic. I got you your treat that you wanted, and now you don't want it. That's great. Go back to kids. So we're so glad everyone's here this morning. Uh, let's go to Lord in prayer as we prepare our hearts to receive what he has for us from the book of Exodus. Dear Father, thank you so much for this day, a day in which we can gather together, a day in which we can sit under your word and see you, see how you've moved throughout history, but also see how you still move in our lives. Lord, I just pray for this time as we do open up your word, as we see your truth, and we see how great you are, how you lead your people, that we can be moved to follow, that we can be moved to look anew upon your great love and your mercy and your plan for us, and that we truly can follow you every day of our lives. Lord, we love you, we seek you, we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. You know, there's those times in people's lives that you probably have experienced, I've experienced many times, when you are searching for guidance. You don't know what to do. Maybe it's a big decision, like when I was uh, uh, graduating college and I was debating whether just to start working, you know, kind of part-time at a church or to go to seminary. I was uh, kind of debating what to do and I was looking for guidance. I didn't know what would be the better option. There's those those kind of crossroads in our lives where we're looking for, seeking to discover, what should we do? And in those times, we are looking for guidance. We're wondering what is the best way in which we should move, what are the, what's the best choice we should take. Because we all need guidance, because sometimes we're left to our own devices, we're kind of confused, or it's not clear where we should go. But where should we look for that guidance? Those good resources we have that we can call upon, hopefully we can call upon, we can seek wise counsel, we can seek kind of the, the, the opinions and the thoughts of others who might know us or know the situation. We can thoughtfully kind of process through what we should do. Those are all good things. You know, there's also bad ways in which maybe we seek guidance where we kind of just drift, we don't make a decision and just let circumstances kind of operate how they should, or maybe even seek bad counsel, people who really should not be telling us what to do, and we seek their counsel. But where do we seek counsel, or how do we find guidance in this life? And the amazing thing is that as Christians, as we read the Bible, it's abundantly clear that God leads, that God gives us what we need to live for him. That God sets it out for us and provides us the way that God actually leads us in how to make wise decisions. He leads us in where we should go. And that as we read the book of Exodus, it's very clear as God leads his people out of Egypt and towards the promised land, God leads. And that's not just unique for them. It's for everyone who calls upon the name of Christ God leads us as well. 
I think that's what we see in the book of Exodus in chapter 13. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Exodus chapter 13, and we'll be finishing up the chapter. And so we'll be just finishing up this last little section, verses 17 through 22. Uh, And if you don't have your Bibles, don't worry. It's going to be on the screen behind us as we read about uh, God leading the people of Israel out of Egypt. So this catches up if we're not familiar with where we are in the story. Remember, uh, Israel was slaves in Egypt, and through mighty wonders and mighty works, God has freed them. And so Pharaoh finally said, you can go. And so they leave, and he's giving them these, uh, these rites or these ceremonies to remember how he delivered them, which is the Passover and the, um, uh, the Feast of Unleavened Bread and the consecration of the firstborn that we talked about last week, that, we, he, that people could remember who God is and how he has saved them. And so they are in the process of leaving Egypt. And this is where we pick up the story in the book of Exodus in chapter 13, verse 17. It says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness towards the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt, equipped for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made uh, the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And they moved uh, on from Sokoth and encamped at Etham at the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to lead them Uh, to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from far, from before the people. What should we pull from this simple, smaller text than we've been reading recently about how God leads? It's a simple fact. God leads, so we follow. God leads, and so we follow. We see this in this text about how God is leading the people out of Egypt. He's leading them, and they're following it. And it's a supernatural kind of element of the pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. But God is leading them, and they follow. And the same thing is true for all of us, that God leads, and he shows us his ways. He shows us how we should live. He shows us how we respond to who he is, but we follow. God leads so we should follow, that we should actually be looking for how he wants us to live, how he wants us to operate in this life, that we should be following him. I love this quote by Jerry Packer who says, lead is the verb that uh, here comes with the promise that our Lord will bestow the discernment of decision and direction that we need in order to keep moving with him along the path of life. That when we say God leads, that's just what we're saying. We're saying we're trusting God that he's going to give us what we need. He's going to give us the wisdom. He's going to give us discernment. He's going to give us the ability to make decisions on to following, uh, how to follow him in the past of this life. That God leads us, so we follow. I think we see that played out here in this text, and it actually gives us real life application for how we follow and how we should expect God to lead us that God actually gives us a way in which we should go. I love how this text starts when it says, When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of Philistines, although that was near. For God said, Lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. 
If you know your, your uh, uh, geography, which I do because I was the Geography B winner in sixth grade, thank you very much, <laughs> though I looked this up. So if you know your geography, Egypt's sitting, sitting here, right? And the promised land is right along the coastline, right around the corner of the Mediterranean Sea. That's Canaan. That's the promised land. And there is a perfectly clear way that God could lead them from Egypt right up into the promised land. It wouldn't have taken that much long. That long. That would be the way you expect God to lead, right? When God says, hey, I'm going to take you from Egypt to Canaan, they're like, oh, great. We can travel along the coast, and we're there within the fortnight. It would be fantastic. But God says, no, I'm not going to lead you in that way. He actually does not lead them in that way. He actually leads them down into the wilderness, which is away from the promised land. He leads them out into the desert where there is nothing. He actually leads them away from what they think they're being led towards. And we, when we see this, is we see the, the, the basic fact that God actually provides the way in which they should go. He provides how they should go. He provides for them to go and follow him. But he does not lead in the way they expect. It's not the fastest route. It's not the cleanest route. It's not the route that is, you know, where trade is happening. He's not going in that direct route. But he has a purpose when he says this. He says he's not going to lead them in that route. Why? Because if they travel through the land of the Philistines, they'll see war, and he doesn't want them to be discouraged and turn back, back to Egypt. But in all of this, he's leading them towards the promise, the land that they will have. When I read that, I cannot help but think, well, that's still how God leads us to this day. That when he's leading us, he doesn't lead us how we expect it. That he doesn't take your life in the, in the, in the ways you expect your life to go. When you look back on your life, I, I bet most of us would say, God has been leading me, yes, but my goodness, it was his plan, not my plan. The turns and the, and the what-have-yous and the dips in the valleys and, and everything it's not how you would expect God to be leading you, but that is how he leads us. He still provides us a way, even when it's not the way we would expect. And he has a purpose in how he's doing this as well. Sometimes we can't see his purpose and how he's leading. That the, that the, I bet the Israelites did not understand that he was protecting them from war, and that's why he was leading them down south rather than along the coastline. But God always has a purpose when he leads us in our life and where he directs us where to go. And he's always leading us to the promise. Here in the text, he's leading the Israelites to the promised land, this destination that was promised to them, to the, through the forebearers, through the ancestors, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, this is going to be your land. I'm going to give it to you. He's leading them towards that promise. He's going to fulfill it in their lives. And with us, when God leads us, he's leading us to the greatest promise. For how God leads us is always leading us towards Jesus who is the fulfillment of all the promises of God, who is, provides us everything we need for life and godliness that we have in him. And so he's leading us towards him, and we can trust that. Even when he's leading us in ways we don't expect, he's leading us towards Christ, where we can find peace, where we can find rest as he provides us the salvation that we need, as he gives us everything we need to live for God. That God leads 
And so we follow. Also see the fact that as the Israelites were going, they were trusting in God's promises. That this even falling was an act of faith as they followed this pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And you see this, I think, in this interesting comment is that when they were leaving Egypt, they grabbed Joseph's bones and took Joseph's bones with them. If you guys don't remember who Joseph was, Joseph was the son of, of Jacob, who was the, the favored son, and he had been sold into slavery by his brothers. He ended up in Egypt, and in Egypt as a slave, he kind of rose to promises, promise, uh, uh, promiseness? I cannot say that word right now. He rose to uh, notoriety, and people knew who he was, and he, everything worked out well for him as God was working in his life. And so he actually became second to Pharaoh in the whole land, and he was in charge of uh, gathering grain, storing up for this famine, the same famine that sent his brothers and his father to Egypt to buy grain, and he was able to provide for them and then welcome his family into Egypt and save them. That's how Israel ended up in Egypt. And so Joseph... Towards the end of his life, he prophesied and, and said, hey, God is going to bring you out of Egypt. And when he does, bring my bones home that I too can rest in the promised land. And we have this, this interesting, when we read in the book of Hebrews, this, Hebrews chapter 11 is this, this great hall of fame of, of faith, of how people have faithfully followed God. And when they talk about Joseph, Joseph, one of the only two comments they make about him is in Hebrews 11, 22, it says, By faith Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. And so the people of Israel, Moses, is going to listen to this and remember this. And so they collect Joseph's bones and they bring him with this. And I cannot help but see that they were living with faith as they followed the promise of God, that they remembered this promise, and they remember what Joseph said, that this promise was 430 years in the making as the people of Israel waited to be delivered from Egypt. And then they gathered his bones and went. Why? Because they knew where they were going and they were not going to come back. That they kind of were turning the back on Egypt and making sure nothing of theirs was staying behind and they were headed towards the promised land. When we think about how God leads us, I think we can't, can't but help but see how we too need to live in light of the promises that he's given us, meaning that we live and wait patiently as God is working these promises to fruition. We live and, and walk in faith, trusting how he's moving in our lives and the promises that he's given us that we know they're going to be fulfilled. And so we live in light of them and move forward in light of them, trusting in him, and we're waiting patiently for him to fulfill what he's said. In terms of us, that means we live in light of the salvation he's given us, but we live with that promise of the, of the salvation that's going to be fully achieved when Christ returns or when we're called home in front of us. And so our whole life is led and lived with that fashion that we're looking towards that promise and we're living towards that promise and that should orient and organize our whole life that everything we do, how we act with people, how we treat people, what we do for a living, how we just operate in this world, how we raise our families should be guided and directed by that promise as we live in light of that, trusting in him 
as he leads us by those promises, God leads and so we follow. And there's no mistake in this passage that God is leading his people. He's leading his people through this very spectacular event of a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. That his leading is constant. There is not a time in which they are not sure about where they're going. Moses is not consulting a map, pulling out a compass, and saying, where is the promised land? No. Hey, there's God in a pillar of cloud or a pillar of fire. I'm going. That even at night, they can see it, and they can still walk and follow God. It's a constant state. And I love how the, the passage kind of talks about this. It says, And the Lord went before them, by day in a pillar of cloud and by night in a pillar of fire. The Lord went before them, that he is guiding them. He is showing them the way. There's nowhere that they're going to go that God has not been there before them. That he, they're never left alone. He's there before them. He's leading them in the way. He knows what awaits them. He knows where they're going to go. And he's leading them in that way that God went before them and they trust them. He's their guide directing them where to go. And where they should go is clear. They didn't have to consult with each other about where, how they should follow God. They shouldn't, they, as I said, they didn't consult a map or a compass or anything like that to say where should we, how should we follow God. It's there. A pillar of cloud, a pillar of fire. It's clear for them to follow him. And they follow and again, when I think about us, when we're talking about that great desire we have to be led by God, or maybe even that angst we get about decisions we make with, is this the good decision to be making, or is that the good decision to making? Is it God's will I go here, or is it God's will I should go there? And we can get kind of uh, very anxious about that. Maybe some of us more anxious than others because we can get kind of confused about what is the best way we should go or where is God leading us in our life and we can get confused and we can kind of just wonder how that goes. And this reassures us, I think, when we read accounts like this, the principle is the same, that God still guides. He still leads us. And we're like, I was like yeah, but I haven't seen a pillar of cloud recently. I, I haven't woke up in the middle of the night and seen a pillar of fire saying, oh, I should go over there. No, but he still leads us. How does God lead us today? By spirit and the word. These two are connected and they can never be separated. He has given us his Holy Spirit that we can know who he is. We can know all the things that Jesus taught on this life. We can respond and live with, with power. He's given us those things we need to live from. And we have the word, which is a pillar before us. We have a word that stands before us that says, live in this way, do these things, follow me for I have given you everything you need for life and godliness. And so when we live this life, it is clear how we should follow, we look towards the word. And as Christians, we let the spirit bring the word and make it alive in our lives to follow God. That he still leads us. Sometimes we, I, I understand this kind of desire. We want something more. We want to look for something more. We want something more, maybe even clearer, we think. But I would argue we have everything we need. We have the word of God, his truth. 
and he's told us what he wants for us. Just look through the Bible and you see again and again how God speaks of what he wants for us. What does God want for us? I can actually tell you exactly what God's will is for your life right now. His will for you is to live a sanctified life and to follow him. His will for you is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to everyone who, hear, who needs to hear. His word for you is to walk in light of the gospel, the good news that he has saved you through Jesus Christ, that he has done everything you need to be with him through Christ. And all we need to do is believe that is true. That is his will for you. To be his. To walk with him. God still guides us through his word. He still goes before us for his word has given us everything we need. There's not a situation you will be able to find yourself in. There's not a situation or circumstances that come upon you that are a mystery to God, that God did not know about, that God did not have you there for a reason. He still guides us in going before us. All we need to do is trust in his promises and live in light of who he is. And just like a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night is very clear on which we so I would argue it's very clear on how we live for Christ as we look towards the word. Because he goes before us, right? And so the word gets to filter through everything that comes towards us. All the ideas, all the concepts, all the circumstances, we filter them all through the word. And so it's very clear on how we should follow God, that we live in light of the word as we seek to please him, as we seek to do what he's commanded us to do. And we want to say, yeah, but I, I want something clearer. I want, that, like, I want him to say, hey, go take this job or go marry that person or go to that city. We want that really crystal clear kind of direction. And I would say, when you read the word and know who he is and what he wants from us, it's clear that we follow him. The advice I, I love to give to people who ask, well, what does God want for my life? Where, what should I do? is a kind of paraphrased version from Augustine, which is love God and do what you want. People are kind of rebel at that. They're like, well, that just gives so much license to me. I'm like, yeah, exactly. Love God and do what you want. The first part is very important. Love God. If you love God, if you're seeking him in his word, if you're seeking to put him first in your life, if you're loving God, then I would say with two options open to you, filtered through the word of God, they're both equal. There's not one that's better morally speaking or that you evaluate them and then you do what you want. And we see again and again that that's how God leads us. He brings stuff to us and he says, love me and then walk in light of the gospel. And if you do that, you know you'll never be outside his will because you can't be outside his will. That God wants us to follow him by that clarity of we love him and then we live as he commands us to do. That you love God and we do what you want. Seek him. There's an author, Jim Osmond, who maybe puts it a little better. It says, if we believe God has provided everything pertaining to life and godliness, 2 Peter 1.3, in Scripture, which is profitable for teaching, for rebuke, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so the man of God may be equipped 
adequate, equipped for every good work, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, we must conclude that it contains everything necessary for wise, moral, God-glorifying decisions. Everything. We, have fully, we are fully supplied with all the information, revelation, and wisdom necessary to make any decision. God's wisdom and moral will are revealed in the statements, principles, and examples of Scripture. This perfect and complete revelation is more than sufficient. That God leads us in his ways and it's more than sufficient. Now the problem is, if you're like me, you still struggle with sin you still like to do things that are not what God would want you to do. And so when those things happen, we're enticed, maybe we're kind of tempted to follow our own devices. So what we're wanting is maybe not things that God wants. And at that point, we're not actually loving God like we should be. And so we're following what we want rather than what God would want us to do. And so in those circumstances, we can find ourselves in kind of some precarious situations where we get ourselves into trouble. And the hope there, again, is comes back to the Word of God, which provides us the gospel, saying that God still got us. That God still holds us tight. That even when we mess up, even when we willfully say, God, I hear you saying clearly three word that I should be doing this, but I really want to do this. And we go that way, and our life gets a mess. Guess what? God is still there. He's still with you. He's still loving you. He's still providing for you. He's still leading you, and and you're pulling you back towards him. That our hope is not how well we can follow what we think God's will is. Our hope is the one who did it perfectly, Jesus Christ. And we trust in him and we lean on him that even when we go astray, he has never gone astray and he's saving us and he's bringing us home in the end. And we can trust in that. But when we're seeking God, when we know who he is and we want to please him, we can rest assured that we're following him as he has declared us when we read our Bible when we are spirit-indwelt believers, walking in his way. We don't have to be concerned that somehow we're on plan B, C, or D of God's. No, we can trust he has us, and he's leading us in the ways we should go. And the great thing about that is that God never stops leading us. I love this phrase, how it kind of ends this This section says, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. God led them and did not depart from them. He didn't give them to the Red Sea and say, all right, guys, you got it from here. You know where Canaan is. It's a little north and a little to the east. I'll see you there in a little bit. That's not how God operates. He did not depart from them. He was always with them. And if you know the story of the Exodus and when you know the rest of the Bible, you know that the pillar was there. This is the, the, the presence of God. And then when he gave the, the instructions for the tabernacle, that, that the pillar rested on the tabernacle, the glory of God shone on the tabernacle. And then when he was ready for them to move again, the pillar got up from the tabernacle and walked before them, and they led them. And that same presence of God came in and dwelt in the temple when they get to uh, Jerusalem. And so you get this presence of God is always before them, that God is before them and leading them in the ways they should go, and he never leaves them to their own devices, that God is with his people. And the same is true for us. 
I think even more so than here, because we who believe in Jesus Christ, who are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, know that it's true that God is with us everywhere, anywhere, all times, because we have the Spirit. There's not a time, once we know Christ, that we do not have the Holy Spirit living in us, indwelling in us, directing us. He never leaves us. He never abandons us. Meaning, there is nothing we enter into, there's nothing that we find ourselves in, that somehow God is not there with us. That just like it says here, the, the God did not depart from before the people, we can trust and rely on the fact that God is with us always. And whatever's coming to us, we know this is that we know God is with us and we know He's leading us in that, and that we can test whatever comes our way to see on how we should follow God and walk in His ways. He's always with us because God leads and so we follow. So how do we follow? When we're talking about God leading, when we're talking about what He's doing in our lives, I think we, we, we naturally kind of search for that more practical thing. How do we follow God? How do we know what God is? Well, I already said, we have a pillar before us that filters everything, through, that we should filter everything through, and that is the Word of God. So how do we follow God? We get the Word in us. We let the Spirit, let it dwell in us so it's richly in us so that when anything and everything we go through, whatever we experience, we can know the truth of who God is, what He's called us to, the promises He's given us, and that we can walk in light of those in this life. How do we follow is that we know who God is and then we live for him in every situation. That actually we go to him in prayer. We go to him uh, searching for what his word says and how we should live in this circumstance, how we should live in light of the gospel. That we, we, we use the word to serve as that guide that goes before us, gives us those principles for living, gives us those principles for how we interact with people, gives us those ways in which God has commanded us to live. That when we hear things or when we hear ideas and concepts or how the world speaks or how the world would want you to live, we filter all that through the Word and we can see how it is contrary to the Word or not contrary to the Word and we live in light of that. And then and fundamentally and most importantly, we are rest assured that God has gone before us and He will never abandon us. And we rest assured on the, 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 the great storyline, the redemption of the word, which is the gospel, that Christ has saved us. And he has saved us. He's not going to abandon us now. He's going to lead us in the ways in which we go. And so when we walk through this life, as we seek to honor God, as we go to him in prayer, and as we lift up the word, we can trust that we're walking in the ways God wants us to walk. Because God leads, and so we follow, knowing he's with us always. Join me in prayer. Darren, Father, thank you so much for who you are and how you love us. Lord, I just ask that you continue to use your word to guide us and direct us in all of our life, that we can be yours in all that you have, have made clear to us that we can continually use uh, your word as the basis for how we live and how we interact with people and how we do life, that we can trust 
your goodness and trust how you love us. Lord, I just pray for each and every one of us here this morning, everyone who calls River Valley home, that we can rest in your gospel, seek to walk in light of what you've done, and know that you love us until the very end. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Adam. <clears throat> so.